Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian, joined as always by my good mate, Lockie. And it's the bye week, or just about the end of it. We'll be getting straight into a bit of a mid-season review here. But Lockie, mm. how are you? And how has the bye week <laughs> treated you? Were you happy to have a, a finally a week off footy? It was a funny time for it to come around, wasn't it? I think mm. if we'd lost the Gold Coast game, I definitely would have welcomed it with open arms. But I'm just ready for us to start winning again. Uh, but I'm doing well. I'm in the process of moving at the moment, so life's all a bit crazy. Mm. But I'm excited to chat about all this. We've got a lot planned. I'm excited. Yes, definitely a lot to get into. So let's crack on. This episode, as I said at the start, our mid-season review. So we're going to take a look at the season so far. We'll analyze the squad and have a bit of a look towards mm-hmm. the end of the season and a bit of player movement, which is always good. Now, it's <laughs> it's clearly been a very disappointing first half of the season. So these kind of reviews are never going to be great, and this isn't going to be fun. But, Lockie, I'm going to ask you if you can rate <laughs> the season so far out of 10. And if you're watching this on YouTube, drop your rating wow. uh, in the comments below. And if you listen to this wherever you listen to your podcast, head over to socials at Navy Blue Corner and let us know your rating so far out of 10. But now that I've given you enough time to think there with a few plugs, Lockie, what is your rating <laughs> out of 10? I appreciate an off-the-cuff question like that. I'm hoping that we get a lot of alignment today. The first number that comes to mind for me is three. Oh, yeah. Look, I'm probably slightly harsher. I've gone two because all I can think at the moment is two wins out of the last 10 or so games. And so for Mm -hmm. me, it's a two. And I think that's kind of it. We, We went in with these expectations of... Let's go top eight. Let's get into finals. And we didn't want to be in the position looking at it at the midway point where we're going to have to do everything we could just to scrape in. We were hoping we were in the higher end of the ladder. I think both of us had the expectation that it wasn't top four. It was more five, six kind of on the ladder, but definitely a lot better than where we are currently sitting. What like 15th, on the ladder and it's 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 just not it's disappointing to look at knowing exactly where we are right now and we're just so far from where we want to be we've talked about it so much throughout this season exactly what all the issues are what's not going well for us so i think we kind of almost skip a little bit of that i love that and we'll talk about some positives while we can so (laughs) let's talk about favorite game so far lucky Oh, oh, there's just so many to choose from, isn't there? Just so many great ones so far. Uh, I mean, the one that uh, jumps out is definitely the Geelong one. Yeah, I think coming off round one was a weird feeling. Like we expected a win and I was like, we didn't get it. Mm. And now we've got to face the ex-premiers. And it was euphoric, to be honest. It felt mm. like everything, everything was right in the world for a moment there. Yeah, I've got the same one. I said Geelong, it... it... I put so much into that game thinking, okay, if we win this, it'll tell us how good we are this season because it's not a yeah. game I feel like Carlton of old would have won. We did it and I was going, holy shit, maybe we are top four. Maybe I've, I've, I haven't hyped us up enough, but it just, it just wasn't, wasn't to be. And unfortunately, we're in a position as well where there's not a lot of games to choose from. Uh, apart from favorite game, <laughs> Lockie, favorite moment. Is there anything that you've... Yeah really taken through this season? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a good question. I think the West Coast game for me was just, you know, 
It was full of a bunch of good moments. Yeah. Um, Holland's kicked his first goal, the first goal of that game. Kemp got his first. Mm. Newey kicked one. Charlie obviously got the nine. So it was just the love was being spread around everywhere. And when's the last game that we had like that where you just got yeah. to sit back and not be worried at halftime that we we're going to lose it? So, you know, those moments were all bundled up for me into mm. a bit of happiness. No, I'll allow that from you. Uh, mine was in that game. It was a bit more specific. I'll just name one. Luckily, you didn't mm-hmm. take my specific one, but it was that last quarter against West Coast, just everything being about trying to get Charlie to 10 goals. I don't know. There yeah, was something fun in that where we've won the game. You can sit back and actually enjoy this. And then you could almost sense the players doing everything they could. Didn't matter if they had a set shot at goal or whoever had the ball. It was, where's Charlie? Let's find him the ball. Let's get him to 10. The commentators were getting around it. And I think that was one of my favorite moments, which yeah. is so frustrating. It's so annoying that we're doing this and these are the favorite moments and these are the favorite games. Normally, you do this yeah. mid-season and there's a lot more to choose from. But unfortunately, that's just the way it is. Trying to keep it positive. Is there a player that has mm. kind of surprised you where maybe you had some lower expectations for you this year? I know, again, it's slim pickings, but is there something that has surprised you in a positive way this year? Yeah, it's all it's all pretty minor and around the edges, I think, at this stage. Um, I mean, we'll talk about the recruits a bit later. I think mm. particularly like Hollands and Cowan showing up early was a really nice surprise, not something that I expected them to be able to give the output that they did early. Um, I think Anui is another one that comes to mind. Yeah. I've already I've roasted you about ten times this season <laughs> on your on you not having him in your best twenty two start Feel of the free. season, and and so I think that's been a nice surprise as one of the oldest guys on the list. Um, there's a couple other little guys like that, but no one I don't think we can say has taken the the leap that we mm. hoped someone might to make us that top four ish kind of team. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've written down Brody Kemp for a similar reason yep. of... Got him as well. I didn't go as far as what I did a few years ago of almost delisting a Matt Kennedy and then looking like I have egg on my face That's for that true. one. But with a Brody Good Kemp, way. I just hadn't seen enough signs so far in his career that I was worried that we weren't going to get much out of Brody Kemp and we'd be sitting here, he's out of contract oh, yeah. the year, and we'd be going... Yeah, move him on because he's shown us nothing. And I understand that those taller key position players take a little bit longer to get going. But the issue around a Brody Kemp was what's his best position? Is he an intercept defender? Is he a small defender? Is he a forward? What's yeah. he good at? Because I just hadn't seen enough at VFL level. Sometimes you'd get a slight glimpse, but I, there wasn't enough of those big highlight moments for me. So I was a bit hmm. worried going into this season and, Look, it feels like he has become a man. He, his body's definitely up 100%. for it at AFL level. He's reading it well. His intercepts are great. There's so many of those highlight moments so far this year. So I think Brody Kemp has pretty quickly cemented his position in our best 22 and starting to look like someone Agreed. who has a bit upside in him, which we love to see. So I think, yeah, Brody Kemp is the one that I had almost no mm-hmm. expectations for. And all of a sudden, he's, he's best 22. Yeah, you absolutely nailed it. That was one that I had as well. So, mm. yeah, very happy for Brody. Yes, so looking at the recruits, um, I'll go basically through three that have played. Pick me up if I've got if I've missed out on anyone, but Blake Akers, Ollie Hollands, and Lockie Cowan, what have you thought yep. of all three so far? Yeah, I mean, I definitely give Hollands and Cowan the tick. They're both yep. going to be around it uh, for selection, which is 
really, I mean, for me, all you can ask for from a first-year player in the mm. type of side that we're in. And then, yeah, Akers is an interesting one. I wrote down small small tick for mm. him. I think he's uh, he's still delivering, obviously. He's still, he still deserves that spot on the wing for me. Um, but I was probably hoping for a bit more from him. Um, not going to say it's all mm. his fault, though, because I could list probably 20 guys yeah. that haven't got to their expectations this year. But I can't give him a full tick, I would say. Yeah, look, I definitely agree with Holland. I think he's shown some really good flashes. Loved his efforts. His defensive side of his game is something that I was very impressed with. It was those yeah. those last-minute spoils that he shouldn't have got to, that he jumps mm-hmm. in front of a Jack Rewalt and a bigger player, uh, Jeremy Cameron as well, that you think, I didn't know yeah. this skinny boy had it in him. Um, Lockie Cowan, it's been fine. Definitely not. didn't show as much as Holland's. I was probably a little bit disappointed because I had such high expectations of a Lockie Cowan. And I know he's just a kid, so I got to cut him some slack there. But oh, yeah. I just I was hoping to see a bit more of him rebounding from defense. And, and I hope when we see him come into the team the next time, that that's where we see him rather than he was almost For deployed sure. as a little bit more of a, of a lockdown back pocket. But still enough that it's a bit of a tick. Akers has probably been the disappointing one. Started off really well. Dropped off he considerably, and and the reason I probably have a not a I wouldn't say a cross because it's not a complete failure, but and obviously there's so much to go, so I don't want to jump down that kind of rabbit hole. But I've called for him yeah. a few times this season, which kind of tells you where we're at with him. We were brought in a guy who was experienced hmm. to jump in and, and nail down one ring wing position, and already he kind of hasn't nailed it down completely. There's still question marks. We need to see more from him. And I was hoping it would just kind of be more like the Blake Akers in the in the final series for Frio where you go, yeah, sweet, <laughs> this guy is perfect. Consistent every single week, whereas now it's, okay, his, his foot skills are an issue. We're just not getting that kind of 6 out of 10 performance I was expecting week in, week out. But again, it's half a season. There's plenty more yeah. to go. And I'm not fighting Blake Akers off by any stretch. I'm just a little bit disappointed from what I've seen so far. For sure. Yeah, no, I think that's fair criticism. Yes, so now we'll try and compare things a little bit to last year. So I'll bring up Yuck. some stats throughout this. It works really well if you're on YouTube watching this because I'll be on your screen as we're talking about it. If you're an audio listener, we'll go through them and try and make it as easy for you guys to follow. But basically, we'll look at the wins and losses to start. So at the oh, moment, dear. we have five wins, one draw, eight losses, percentage of 98.1 and sit 15th on the ladder. Last year at the bye, obviously it's not a, sorry, last time, last year, same amount of games compared to the five wins. We had 10, we didn't have a draw. We had four losses compared to the eight this year, much higher percentage at 114 compared to the 98, even though we were worrying so much about percentage throughout last season. Uh, We're in fifth compared to, 15th, so clearly a big drop-off compared to the fast start last year. And I've gone a bit deeper into this. And obviously, when you look at just 14 games of last year, it's not exactly the same opposition. So for context, I tried to have a look at the corresponding fixtures and try to find the same things. Obviously, it's not a perfect science. We played Sydney at home last year, got the win, played them away, got the loss. But I've tried to be as similar as possible. 
And in those 14 games last year, we went seven and seven compared to the five and eight this year. So similar-ish, but what the comparison again shows to me is you kind of you you have higher expectations this year. Second year of the coach, second yeah. year of the development, players keep going. You'd think you'd keep improving. So to still be down on that ledger is pretty disappointing. What do you kind of make of that comparison? Yeah. I mean, the, you, you nailed it. The expectation is everything about this season. It's mm. it's why we're disappointed about where we are. And I think that, that comparison is, yeah, it says a lot. It says a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not ideal. And now let's go through some stats as well. So we'll take a look at, and these are slightly flawed because I only have recorded up until from last season the bye, which was unfortunately a little bit earlier. We were eight mm-hmm. and three, so it's a little bit of a smaller sample size. Obviously, we were flying, but I think it's nice to have a look at when we were doing well last year and compare it to this year when yeah. we haven't done well, see if there's any glaring areas or see if there's any similarities. So going through yep. it, disposals currently, we rank second in the AFL, whereas last year we were first. So very similar disposal efficiency we're fifth mm. last year we we're third so using it a little bit better kicks we rank first at the moment we're second last year handballs we rank third last year we were second so probably even though the wow. kick to handball ratio when you actually look at the figures equates to 1.4 for each we're probably in a way when you maybe actually look deeper at the number a little bit more balanced in the way we were using it and why we still had we're still higher in the competition. I think overall we're probably a little bit less of a possession-based team and more of a moving the ball and just dominating teams winning the ball rather than it being us just holding onto the ball a bit more defensively. So, again, Mm. figures and stats look similar, but I think in context, when you actually had watched the football, they read a little bit different. And then the two that I think – one that I think is quite glaring here is the contested possessions. Last year we were second – this year, we're sixth. Um, and then uncontested possessions, we're again first for both. So I think that contested possessions clearly dropped off. Uh, what do you kind of make of the, the stack comparison between oh. the buy this year and buy last year? It tells quite an interesting story, I think. I love that you've done this. Like, mm. do you think that, say that there was no team to this and you just got presented these two columns, would you be able to yep. confidently say which team you think is performing better? I think I you'd probably so... you'd probably say just because of the the massive contrast of second to sixth in contested possessions with everything else yeah. being so similar, you'd go, is it the other? Is it the team that was second for contested? But again, not much separates so. them. And I think that this is just what I touched on earlier of this year we've had a lot of the ball. We haven't mm. impacted with it. So the stats look great. Oh, you've got heaps of disposals. Of you're doing, you've got heaps of the football, but aren't using it. Whereas last year, we managed to get a lot of the football, but it was because we were dominating sides, particularly before the yeah. bye. Every single one of those games, we had halves of football where the opposition weren't touching it. So I think it's sort of, True. It, yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting comparison. It slightly I like shifts it. it in a different perspective. But yeah, the other stats I wanted to show you, which I think these definitely are a little bit, better to kind of see where we're at and one of them is shocking 
to look at. And we'll start there. We'll look at the clearances, center clearances. Last year, we went on that very heavy contested brand. We ranked number one this year, 18th for center clearances, which is (laughs) horrific. Uh, Stoppage clearances were 14th last year, 7th this year. So gotten better at the stoppage. All of a sudden, the center clearances have moved away. Marks, we were second last year. We're first at the moment. Didn't get this uh, figure last year at this stage. Impossible unless I spent about a whole week going through every single game and getting all the stats, which I don't have the time to do. But would have been nice to know our marks inside 50 last year. But at the moment, they're sixth. Inside Mm -hmm. 50s, we were fifth last year, ninth this year. Tackles were 15th last year, 12th this year. And then tackles inside 50 were third last year. Dropped away to 14th. So I think the big differences there are clearly the the center clearances moving from first to 18th. And then, yeah, really the tackles inside 50, third down to 14th. Does that paint a decent picture for you as far as not one you want to look at, but one that makes sense? Of course. It it makes so much sense. And it, it lines up with the guys that performed last year that have dropped off this year too. Mm. Cripps in a Brownlow season, Hewitt with like a pseudo All-Australian season, Pitt's dominance, all these things came together and and now we're here and yeah, tells a good story. Yeah, Yeah, clearly the midfield has dropped off and we haven't seen that midfield dominance and it was really the the Gold Coast game, the last one we did have where that centre clearance work was back and we saw us all of a sudden become a good Mm. football team again and I know that's not necessarily you can't bank on that every every single week. It's not going to happen. It, it's hard to keep doing. It's not massively sustainable is the word I was bumbling and trying to find there, but it can definitely be a lot better than it is and it needs to get hmm. better if we are to be a good side because you look at our strengths and clearly it's that inside midfield and, and clearance work and when that's been down so much, no wonder we're, we are struggling where we are and then you look at that tackles inside 50 and how much has forward pressure been an issue, keeping the ball in the forward line, getting those repeat entries, putting the pressure on and and equaling scores. We, our entries have been poor. We haven't been able to put on the pressure. Tackling hasn't been great. It's just so many little compounding factors, but there are still some areas that clearly have been okay on the stat sheet compared to how things were moving last year. But there's, there's still so many areas that, haven't been right for us. So I guess where does that kind of yeah. leave you with, with what you're seeing and what you need to see moving on for the rest of the season? Well, it's it's a tricky spot that we're in now. Like, like I kind of said at the start, the Gold Coast game, we don't want to draw too much from it. Yes. But it's hard, it's hard for me not to have at least a little optimism. Mm. You know, if we lost that game by 60 points, then I'd be here saying it's probably hopeless. And there's too many things that I want to see that I need to say. Just show me more of that game Mm. and and we'll at least get somewhere. Yeah, well, I kind of segued into my next point, which was I've got a few other little stats for you. And it's a bit of a comparison from the first most of the season until the last Mm -hmm. couple of rounds where I think you kind of pointed out on this in the Essendon game that you noticed a bit more of a shift towards us moving the ball quicker. Uh, And then obviously... 
we had it in that game against Gold Coast. So just a couple of interesting mm-hmm. things that have clearly been some facets of change so far. Meters gained by handball in rounds 1 to 11. We <laughs> averaging you know, 96 meters from that, whereas rounds 12 to 14, 227 meters wow. gained by handball. Massive contrast in just a couple of rounds. All of a sudden, uh. using the handball over the kick and using the handball more fi- effectively and efficiently. And I think some of our better football has been shown in those games, even though we obviously didn't have a good game against Essendon, particularly our third quarter. We were trying to move the game on. We are trying to take things on. And it's just a massive difference. And then another one is corridor use from defensive 50. Rounds 1 to 12. <laughs> 14% of the time we use the ball in the corridor when moving the ball out from defensive 50. So that's 14%, whereas rounds yep. 13 and 14, 22%. All of a sudden, massive difference in the amount of time when we add the ball in the defense, yeah. chose to attack it down the quickest part of the ground through the corridor. So clearly, <laughs> there's been a little bit of a shift. I, obviously, it's a very small sample size. Hard to know with the opposition if this is going to yeah. continue. But... If you're going to have a look at stats and you're going to pinpoint something, if we can just continue that, I think obviously there's so many other issues, so many other issues. But if we can see more of that happening for the rest of the season, I think you're putting yourself in a much better position to at least try to get scores on the board. And mm. you don't know what could happen, I guess, if you're trying to be optimistic looking for the rest of the season. Yeah, no, exactly right. Did you... Uh... I'm loving these stats. Did you get yourself some access <laughs> to the champion data database finally, mate? These, this no, oh, I, I absolutely wish. Some of that was the, the last bit was taken off one of the uh, the football shows. So someone out there will be like, you've stolen that from buddy yeah. first crack no, or whatever. And it's, look, it's the only place I can get them. The other was me scouring the internet for everything I that's could. Great, so love it again. We, we haven't covered a ridiculous amount of what has been bad because we've done it all season. Every single episode has been, what is it working? So what is the point of us continually saying it's the mentality, it's this, the coaching, whatever. I'm sick of talking about it. So we're skipping over that. So anyone that's come to this, listen to any of our reviews. It is in there. I'm sure you've heard (laughs) us go over plenty of it. So we've tried to do things a little bit differently. And in one of those is looking at almost expectations at the start of the year. So how we fit now. So let's look at the wins and losses, Lockie. Let's go through them. The start of this season, I'd love to know where you had us and your wins and losses at this stage because going through yeah. Richmond, Geelong, GWS, North Melbourne, Adelaide, St. Kilda, West Coast, Brisbane, the Dogs, Collingwood, Sydney, Melbourne, Essendon, and Gold Coast, I had us with eight wins and at the moment we sit with five wins and one draw. Where did you mm-hmm. have us on the wins and loss? I was even more optimistic. <laughs> But it doesn't seem so silly when you look at the stats you said earlier. I thought that we were going to be 10 and 4 at this stage, which is yep. what we were last season. So Yeah. And when you look at the teams we played, you know, like I had us actually in my predictions going 0-2 to start the season against Richmond and Geelong. Isn't that crazy? You know, I then had us going on a bit of a win streak and then we can't almost go win-loss, win-loss for a little bit and then tail it yep. out with some wins. So I think that that is, is pretty was pretty realistic. You saying, hey, let's go 10, let's go a bit bigger. Me going, let's go eight. Very realistic. Yeah. So very disappointing that we're now I think five so and one. And I just had a look at, with my prediction, going the five wins, where that would have sat us on the ladder. And interestingly, if we were at eight wins, 
Currently, we'd be, depending on percentage, fifth, sixth, or seventh, which is kind mm. of where I had us sitting, say, yeah. the end of season. So I think it's definitely not yeah, it's good unrealistic to have that, and it's frustrating to see that we're just that little bit away from it. And the teams that we have lost to, there was just so many really winnable games. So that's been the frustrating Probably. part. But let's try and predict the rest of the season because we all <laughs> obviously you have that one game against Gold Coast and there's a bit more optimism out there without getting ahead of yourselves. So I'm very interested to see. Let's go through them one by one. And I want to see your wins and losses. And then we'll kind of break that down. And because I know some people are still ridiculously optimistic and saying, can we still make finals? What can happen? We'll have a look and see what we need to do if that is the case. Hawthorne, win or loss, Lockie? I'm not sure whether I should go off what I thought at the start of the season because it's actually pretty similar. No, I'll I'll change them up now. Yeah, I reckon we go from now and see, based off everything, what we think can happen. I mean, it seems like no team can win after the bye, but I think we will. Yeah, I've got us with a win. Then we've got Frio away. Oh, mate. How do you know with this team anymore? I feel like we did this at the start of the season. It was so easy. Like, I'm delusional. You've got a win? (laughs) Yeah. I've got a loss. So good to see you're a bit more optimistic than me. They're not good. They're not good. Um, Port Adelaide. Yeah, at home. I would pencil that in as a loss, personally. Yeah, I've, I've gone a loss, and it, it's interesting. I, at the start of the season, I had Frio as a loss, but I had Port as a win. So insane mm. that there's a little bit of difference in that one. Uh, West Coast, surely a win. I don't think we have to talk about Senate that. Brewster. And Collingwood, are we winning this one? Yeah, well, that's the thing about this one and the next game. You like to think that we can Even have any, yeah. any, any ledger. So... Why can't we be optimistic? Mm. Uh, unfortunately not. I have us with a loss currently, uh, but I had us with a win here because I had us losing to Collingwood earlier in the year. Um, and I'm, mm-hmm. I've actually had us going with St. Yeah, and then St. Kilda, I had us losing earlier, have a win here. And I'm going a win again over the Saners, regardless yep. of what I said earlier this season. Are you going a dub over the, over the Saints? Oh, mate, this is depressing me out because I want to say win for every one of these games because I am still delusional and believe in these guys. So no, put me through as a, as a loss. You've gone a loss for the Saners. Fair enough. Sure. Uh, what about Melbourne? What's happening with that one? Well, I'm fence sitting. This is, I'm about to crack it with I this exercise know. because <laughs> I, like I wouldn't be surprised if we won it and we'll probably lose by 40. Yeah. That's, that's fair enough. Well, we so got two we're, more to we're go. going with the EN vote for these last ones. <laughs> and then, yeah, the last two obviously win against Gold Coast and GWS. So basically off that, let me add this up. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm saying you've gone seven wins there, Lockie. I'm saying we're beating Melbourne off that for you, which is what I actually predicted originally for myself for the back end of the season. Whereas mm-hmm. at the moment, I had a couple more losses depending that that melbourne one if you pencil in a win it goes six if there's a loss it's five which off my scale for me ended up being 10 11 wins to finish it off which it's it's that that tough thing so say we get you know i originally had us with a lot more which would have got us to, to fifth or sixth wins originally 
Whereas my 10-11, which I predict, gets us 10th, 11th, 12th, which I think is that realistic kind of area of where, because of what we've done in that first half, lost some games we should have won. If you go maybe a bit more of a pessimistic side, probably you'd say fair enough. But I think this is where (laughs) a lot of people are still trying to be optimistic and going, well, okay, what do we need to do to make finals from here? Let's say we turn it around. That Gold Coast win was exactly what we needed. And realistically, we need to basically win seven or eight in this stretch. Because if we go, which is insane, because if you go seven and two with the draw, it takes you to 12 wins, one draw, which would ideally, because of that draw, get you into finals. Rather than having to get the 13, it should get you there, which is going seven and two. Seven wins, two losses. Going off my more pessimistic side of a win against Hawthorne, a win against West Coast, win against the Saners, win against Gold Coast and GWS. Got to get two more wins. What are the more realistic ones for you in that to turn them into dubs? And where are our two losses coming from if you could predict the perfect run from here realistically as best you can? Wow, give me a harder question in the entire life of this podcast. I mean, if if I'm being a complete realist, I would say that Collingwood and Melbourne are the two most likely to yeah. lose, right? Yeah. Oh, I would say, I would say, uh, I'm pretty similar with you. I'd probably go Collingwood and Port, even though it's in Melbourne because, because they're playing though, so well. Yeah. But I think, look, and this is again, let's go full glass, half full. Just glass is full. There's, there's not, there's just. To the brim is Frio aren't playing amazing football. It's away, but get the win. Port's a tough one. It's here, so you give yourself a bit of hope. West Coast, you win. Collingwood, I think this is maybe a ridiculous hot take for you, Lockie. If we beat Hawthorne, we win one of Frio and Port, beat West Coast. If we beat Collingwood, I'd say we'd make finals because I feel like that would be a monkey off the back, something for this playing group to be like, we've beaten Collingwood, you've got it done. Momentum's with us. Steamroll home. I'm just not sure it's actually going to happen. I haven't seen really anything this season to show me that would happen. But yeah, I agree. Then Collingwood would be the loss. And then you've really, yeah, you've got to win an, another one there out of your Melbourne and, and St. Kilda because you can only have two losses, which... Yeah, if you're saying you've beaten the obvious of the Hawks, Eagles, Saints, Suns, Giants, then you need to win two out of the three, basically, of Freer, Port, Collingwood, Melbourne. Like, it's it's grim viewing when you look at it, what needs to happen for us to make finals. Seven and two run. It's It's tough. If I think back to the start of the season, I think there was a bit of a range of what people were predicting we were going to get. There was obviously people... Some people were saying top four. Some people were saying we wouldn't make the eight kind of being mm-hmm. around the, around last year. I don't think anyone was really thinking that we were going to be this low. Yeah. And so, and with how these last few weeks have been, I'm just, I just don't have the audacity to say that I know any idea how this mm. is going to go over this period. Why can you, why, like you can argue any way, I think. You yeah. can argue that, the, the Gold Coast game was an outlier. We're going to win hmm. one more game the rest of the season against West Coast. Or you can easily argue to me that 
we're, we're now on the right trajectory and mm. why can't we just keep building on this now? So, like, yeah, anything that you tell me that could happen the rest of the season right now, I'll say, you know what? Sure. You, you, yeah. It very well could happen. Anything's really possible. No, look, I, I love the optimism and I'm obviously going to hope like it's you... It's also that... the pessimism. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It's but... also... I wouldn't be surprised have no if West idea. Coast is the only other win we have. Like, or we lose to West Coast at this. Point. Sure, like they you know, win sometimes. And it's it's hard to predict things, but I think it's a fun exercise to kind of look at what we predicted earlier in the season and then what we predict now. Because maybe it I gives agree. me hope that I predicted from this run of games that we'd have seven wins. That the only ones we lo- lose would be against Melbourne, and we'd, we'd lose to Freo away. Start of the season, I thought that was possible. I thought yep. we'd, we'd time it perfectly, have this amazing run, and then who knows what could happen. We'd, we'd maybe finish just outside the top four, get maybe a home final, win the first one, and, and see what happens. And knowing that's potentially <laughs> yeah. still in this squad somewhere, can it happen? Obviously it can, but I think at the moment I'm being a bit more pessimistic in my expectations for the rest of the season where – I have not seen a big enough sample size of us playing good footy this year to think that it's going to turn around from here yeah. on out and we'll make finals. And so I'm not, while we've done this exercise and we're talking about it, I'm not really focused on finals. That's out of my sight. I am, yeah, as I, I think agree. I touched on in the last, one of the last episodes we had was just looking at, well, okay, what do I want out of this season? Let's take finals out of it. And it's, I need to see us building enough and game style and everything from here on out where I can go into next season with a bit of optimism of, okay, we've built, we, the first half was dog shit, but the second half we've built something in there. And if we can just continue on that trajectory, have a good off season, mm. we can go back and you'll, unfortunately you can write off this first half of the year, but line in the sand from now on, we're playing finals next year and we're turning this club around. And that's what I'm trying to look at. So while I've obviously gone through the finals and everything, I think it's, yeah, you can only really afford to lose two more games for this season. And I just don't know if this group have got that pressure in them to know how to deal with that from there. But let us know what you think. What games are we winning? What games are we losing? Is finals possible? Who knows? (laughs) It's hard to predict the future. If we could, we'd all be bloody millionaires by now. But... As I said, I wanted to hear from you guys from your predictions, but I wanted to yes. hear your questions. We chucked it on Twitter at Navy Blue Corner. Asked you guys to send them in. What are the people asking us, Lockie? Got some good future questions here. Got some more reflections. Let's start with this one here. So this is mm. from at Alpha NSRS. We talked about our favorite game. They want to know worst loss for the year. For them, it was the Sydney game. Yeah. It probably should be the Essendon game. But I think it's it's the Sydney game for me as well because I just remember the emotions, but that was the heaviest I took any loss because I kind of pinned my hopes on our season in that thinking they're depleted. Hmm. I I don't care that it's the way... We need to win this game of football. They just beat North Melbourne by a bloody interchange infringement. This is the game that turns the season around. If we don't win this, we're done. We lost it in 
really poor fashion, which has been the disappointment if I could put everything into a nutshell this year. It's it's not just the loss on paper. It's how the loss happened. It was the actual performance that's been the big issue. And I think that was it again for Sydney. We missed so many easy chances. And it was just one of those yeah. ones you penciled in as a win that you go, oh, God, then who can we win against? And so I think, yeah, the Sydney one was yeah. the one that almost broke me. That's fair. Yep. Those two came to mind for me. I uh, I just can't go past Adelaide. Yeah. I true. know now like they, you know, some people think that they're they're good, but that was mm. just like ultimate demoralizing oh. loss. Even though I think it was our it was our first loss, which is crazy. Mm. But it was just that first quarter was just the worst football I've yeah. seen this year. Then we had again the audacity to like at the start of the fourth quarter, it was like yeah. Oh my God. Oh, Are we going to come here? And then they just piled them on. It was just a horrible, horrible viewing. Yeah. You, you know it's bad when I'm at home and I start to watch some Ted Lasso in the, in that last quarter instead. Like That's I've just got that as well because just it was abysmal. But yeah, hopefully we won't have too many more of those. That's what I'm hoping for the rest of this season. At least turn it on mm-hmm. for something. But yeah, uh, good question. I enjoy it to some degree. This is a good question too. Um, I'm... Keen to keep a finger on the pulse of where you're with this for the rest of the season and in the okay, season. okay. So from Clarence Worley, it seems like Damian Hardwick may have orchestrated a move out of Richmond with prior knowledge of what club he'll be coaching at next. For me, that's either us or West Coast. Thoughts? Oh, I've not thought too much of the Damian Hardwick. I know at time yeah. of recording that Dylan Friends episode is out. I listened to the first probably 10 minutes of it. I haven't had a chance to mm. get through it. Um, I, out right now. Uh, I mean, it, I heard the little snippet on Instagram of him saying that he does still want a coach. It's just a yeah. matter of when. Look, I, it's he's in that boat of like an Alistair Clarkson where he can pretty much dictate wherever he wants to go. And mm. if that club is available, he can have it. So I think he's going to sit back. He needs some time off. I would hate for us to rush into him. I'm also <sighs> not convinced that let's, let's say everything goes bad at Carlton, we need another coach, that Hardwick is the guy anyway. Because if you look at mm. every single premiership coach of the past bloody 15 years, most yes. of them, like 99% of them are all first-time coaches at that club. It doesn't yep. happen. This fallacy of you bring in the former winner and he fixes your problems, it doesn't seem to happen. That History isn't showing that, at least in the modern era. So I'm not... Yes, great call. Even if things go bad, thinking that it needs to be Hardwick, I think that there's definitely a world where next season we start like we did this year and you go... Yeah, Voss at the end of season is probably gone. Maybe he gets sacked with a few games to go and then you know, yeah. Hardwick's in the conversation. I hope that's not the case. But God, if this happens, if, if it happens where at some stage through next season, Voss is gone, like we're not just going to have a Hardwick come in and it's going to be premiership. It's going to be like five years Mate. of a build because you're going to have to gut this list. A cripper, a buddy, Harry McKay, like some half of these players are probably going to have to get moved on because you have to completely change what players are contracted to where. Some players are not going to want to stay there for another rebuild. Like you'd have to gut so much it's not funny. So, yeah, 
it's I agree. an interesting one. Uh, what's your thoughts on kind of that whole scenario? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. You've took all the words out of my mouth. <laughs> I would be so, uh, yeah, just so disappointed if mm. we did give up on Fossey end of this season. Yeah. Bring in someone new and then it's the same old. Yeah. Like there's just no way to know that's bringing in someone with, with everything that we are right now is going to turn us around. And yeah. maybe it would, but if it didn't, then that's just going to look, you mm. know, how many coaches have we had in the last, whatever, 12 years? It's it's, it's a joke. Yeah. And even on that, that, if I'm Damien Hardwick, I don't know if I'd want to coach Carlton. If we do because what you like, said and have to gut it, then why would I think you'd have to. I think you'd have to. And then... There's still question marks on us as whether the players have the ability, even though we've got some top end. Yeah. Uh, then is he thinking, oh, if it goes wrong in half a year, they'll sack me because that's what Carlton seemed to do. Like, would he want to go into that environment? Would he see a yeah. club that's been not successful for the last 20 years and go, oh, yeah, give me, I'll, I'll be the one that turns that around? I'm not sure he would. So it's. It's an interesting discussion, but I hope it's one that we yeah. we aren't having. I hope hopefully Vossi and, and Co can kind of steer this ship for us. Fingers crossed. Uh, so from So Race Boy four five eight, they say love your content, lads. Is it finally? Uh, this is a very interesting question. Is it finally time to address the preseason Sydney performance in the context of how the season has played out, and how much do we read into it? Wow, wow, there's a lot of ways that you could go with that. Well, I think we said at the time, I hope we don't have to read anything into this and hopefully we'll it's just a preseason that. game. But yeah, I mean, definitely a tale of that first, when that Adelaide game happened, I think that was something where my mind went to of, well, this is what I saw against Sydney. Us just disappear. So I don't know. It was there may be a, a warning sign, but it's so hard to know how much you read into that. I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know if I have a great answer. It is answer, a great question. It definitely didn't set us up for success, for sure. It didn't. But there's been a lot but... of issues throughout. I don't think you can pin it just on one preseason game, but definitely what we saw in that game we've seen throughout, and it hasn't been in a positive way. But people also said after that game, oh, Sydney aren't going to have the post-grand final woes. And look yeah. what happened there. And yeah, take exactly. me back to the bloody Wizard Home Loans Cup when we were the absolute goats of that cup. Give me a, and, and give me a bloody Prendergast from, from 80 metres for a super goal. That's what I want to see. <laughs> that is a genuine Last one core, the core memory. <laughs> Way oh too cool. Way too That's cool. A, it should not be one that, of the go-to memories I have as a Carlton supporter. <laughs> we shouldn't be. What jersey were we wearing that game? What jumper? You remember? Just the regular. Just oh, the okay. Regular. Just shout out to our tier list video, which has gotten some nice feedback. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that I haven't received any slander for my takes. Yeah, oh, oh. Not. Well, you shouldn't have liked the grey jersey. And anyway, yeah, actually, if there are people listening to this on their preferred um but I almost just said Spotify, their preferred podcast uh, <laughs> listening service. You may not be aware, we did a bit of a tier list, a bit of a ranking of pretty much every single Carlton jumper that there's ever been. It's on our YouTube as an exclusive because it's way too visual yes. that I just thought it'd be so stupid to release this in podcast form. 
So if you if you love your Carlton jumpers and, and love a tier list, jump over to the YouTube again. It's going to be navy blue corner. All you have to type in, it's going to be there. Links will be bloody everywhere if you need to find it on our socials. It's a good watch for sure. And you can then leave in the comments all your abuse abuse towards Lockie for abuse. liking that horrific grey jumper. Friend of the podcast, Robbo, J-Rob, was a fan of the grey, he said, but his feedback was that heritage jumper is disgusting, you two are fucked. <laughs> so it's good. We've got a nice divisive topic and it is a good yeah, one, so good. I recommend it. Great for the content for sure. Great for engagement, I think, is the, is the thing that the, uh, the people say these days. <laughs> You know I love a good clean segue out of uh, listener questions into our next segment. So I'll read off a couple here, which are a little preface. So from Mickey C's, who should go at year's end based on our current form and ladder position? I have Lloyd and Russell in the food department, <laughs> then Dow, Marchie, Ed, Silvani, Honey, Plough, Gov, Phil, Akui, and I'd yep. throw in Lob, but he's contracted. A lot. And one other question here on a bit of a different topic from Bryzer. Mm. How many higher-end draft picks mm. could and should end up with this year either through trading um, or what we've got? As in, do we yeah. make a play for one or two top-end picks or spread mm. it out across lower picks? Oh, boy, this is your oh, wheelhouse, wheelhouse well, brownie. We will indirectly... Uh, answer these questions because we're going to dive into yes. something quite deep here and I'm very Go undecided. On. This is, you're getting behind the curtain in my brain here in the planning of the <laughs> Navy Blue Corner podcast because there's a chance that the rest of what you're listening to is going to be in a part two of this uh, or it's all going to be one thing. We'll see how long this ends up going. Sorry to interrupt this episode, but this one did end up going long like we thought it might. So we're going to split it up into two parts. This will finish part one and then part two will focus on analyzing the list, going through so many potential incomings in the draft, in trade, everything is covered. We go through like every out-of-contract player. It's a lot of fun. So yes, that'll finish part one. There is plenty more in store in part two. See you guys next time.